Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, what's going on, Giants fans? Welcome to the latest episode of our Talk is Chief Giants podcast. From NJ Advanced Media, the Star Ledger, and NJ.com, Daryl Slater here with Bob Brookover. Uh, we're talking to you Tuesday morning right now as we're recording this. And uh, as you all obviously know, we know the Giants were going to the playoffs. Once they beat the Colts in Week 17 and uh, the results of Week 18 games locked them into what we figured was going to be the matchup once uh, the Packers had beat the Vikings in uh, Week 17. And that is the rematch of the Christmas Eve loss the Giants had in Minnesota. So they head up. Sunday afternoon, 4.30 in Minnesota against the Vikings, a 13-14 and 14 that, as we'll get into, you know, has looked fairly beatable at times. They had a minus 19-point differential heading into their uh, final uh, regular season game. Um, and, of course, the Giants on Sunday rested starters. A lot to digest here. Um, if you are traveling for the game, by the way, it looks like the weather will not be too bad. <laughs> Low 30s, which is basically, you know. Balmy. I was about to use that exact word, balmy in Minnesota for January. So, Bob, a lot to talk about here uh, as the Giants get ready for their first playoff game since 2016 and try to win a playoff game for the first time in 11 years since they their Super Bowl victory. They're back in the playoffs for just the second time since that Super Bowl uh, championship win over the Patriots. And, um, uh, yeah, it's an opportunity for Brian Dable and this team to continue uh, this magical season. Yeah, I, you know, you wouldn't think they would have gotten any momentum from – uh, resting their starters in Philadelphia. Uh, but they sort of did because the reserves, you know, kept themselves in a game m- more than covered the spread. Um, I think the spread ended at 16. They lost by six. Um, and, you know, showed maybe they have a little more depth than we all thought they did. But but certainly we, we've thought all season that they had fight and they showed fight in that game. Uh, I, I thought – uh, Saquon Barkley had the quote of the day by calling it a thing of beauty. Uh, you know, basically said it inspired the rest of the guys who were sitting out, the starters, to to watch the reserves play that well. And now we see if you know it, it, it seems. I, well, I ask, I, I flat out asked Saquon, "Are you guys a hot team?" Um, after the Eagles game, and he said, "Yeah, I think we are." And you know what? I think he's right because they 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 had their biggest win of the season. In their in their biggest game of the season against the Colts, they needed it to win it win, and they won convincingly. Uh, bad Colts team, I was sure, but you know, um, you know, two weeks before that, they had taken down the Commanders in a game they had to win, and in between there, they they played the same Vikings and they played them as tough as could be on the road, took them to the very last play of the game, and it took a sixty one yard kick to to beat them and. Uh, I'll just mention this since I went through the trouble of figuring it out was the the sixth time in NFL history that a 
kicker has kicked a 60-yard field goal at the buzzer to beat a team. On the flip side of that, the Giants have been the victim of those three of those 60-yard kicks three times in the last seven years with, as Graham Gano shouted at, shouted at me in the locker room on Sunday, I'm part of that. <laughs> so, so we'll see what happens. Now they go to Minnesota. They got, they got a chance at thinking they're a hot team, believing they're a hot team, see if that momentum carries them to a victory in the, in the divisional round of the playoffs. Yeah, that's a remarkable stat. And um, yeah, the Giants obviously six and one start to the season, then seven and two, and then hit a little bit of a skid, lose to the Lions, lose to the Cowboys, tie the Commanders, lose to the Eagles. And then, and then it sort of becomes, oh, okay, how does Brian Dable's team respond? And and boy, did they ever respond, you know, with the win over Washington. Um, they almost beat, you know, they got a chance almost to go to overtime and beat Minnesota. Um, so they know this. And then, uh, the, as you mentioned, the Colts win. They know that this uh, this Vikings team is beatable. And uh, certainly maybe some of the history of the Vikings playoff failures will play into this. But just re- recapping real quick, week 18, um, obviously the Giants didn't try to win that game. They finished nine, seven and one doesn't you know, the result doesn't really matter. But th- I think really, a really good decision, obviously, by Brian Dable to rest starters in that game. This That's a smart call. I mean, there was no reason to give into nostalgia and all the 07 Tom Coughlin, you know, storybook stuff that people love to tell these as uh, my good pal James Cratch, who used to work for us, says the book of big, the storybook or something of big blue bedtime stories. <laughs> all the, these like notions that people cling to sometimes of this franchise of like um, of that type of nostalgia stuff. It had no bearing on this team. Like, OK, yeah, the, the Giants, Patriots, 07, you know, undefeated. It's not has nothing related to this team. So, so uh, anyway, play Frank, to win. If would have played if he wasn't deceased, <laughs> play to win the game and all this stuff, whatever. Uh, the bottom line is this team is is thin. Uh, and yeah, they do have depth, obviously, a little bit more than we thought, but they needed to rest. This was their this was their ninth straight game. Uh, so they played eight, their starters played eight straight games coming out of the bye, eight games before eight straight games before the bye. The rest was important. Um, and, and, and why was it important? And I, th- I think here's a couple, we'll touch on the injury situation right now. Dory Jackson's got a knee injury. We know he hasn't played since November 20th. Aziz Ojolari has got a lateral ankle sprain. I would think he, tr- he'd be able to try to push through it for at least some of this game. He played seven snaps against the Colts. Uh, Leonard Williams dealing with a nerve issue in his neck. Uh, I would be absolutely floored if he didn't play in this game. This guy's played 6,000 snaps <laughs> waiting to get to the playoffs. His whole career has dealt with so much losing. He's not missing this game. The big question to me uh, is really a Dory Jackson because they have to defend Justin Jefferson. That, well, absolutely. I mean, that's the, you know, the, the, the biggest part of the Vikings is their passing game with Hawkinson at tight end uh, and Justin Jefferson, just two beasts at those positions. Uh, they did not defend him very well the first time around. Uh, Jefferson kind of had his way with them. Um, you know, and you, you, you add in Adam Thielen is, you know, not what he used to be, but still, still a, still a real threat. Uh, so being as healthy as you can uh, in the secondary is really important. And I'll just throw in, you know, Jason Pinnock got banged up in the, in, in the Eagles game as one of the guys who played. Uh, he said he had a stinger, but he would be ready to play. That doesn't always mean they will be, but it, it, he sounded like he'd be ready to play. And that obviously he, he helps them in situations, especially as a blitzer that he oftentimes when they, you know, when, when Xavier McKinney was, healthy earlier in the season, they would bring him in in blitz packages and, and he was effective. Uh, so, you know, they, I'm sure they hope to have him back too. 
But shutting down, I don't know if you can shut down Justin Jefferson, but they got to do a better job than they did on him in the first game. Yeah, absolutely. And and if Pinnock can't play, you know, Dane Belton would play as a third safety. And, you know, he has looked uh, a little bit overwhelmed at times out there, as, as you might imagine, for a rookie. And um, Dory Jackson played it secretive after the game. He didn't sound overly frustrated. So to me, it just sounded like he was just lying. Like, you know, whatever. He can lie if he wants. It's not like the guy's on the witness stand and we got his hand in the Bible here. But, uh, but uh, he's, he's treated the whole thing weirdly, though, all the yeah. way along. All the way along. So I thought one of the, he did say, oh, I, I said, are you going to be ready? I don't know. Okay, fine, whatever. We're going to play that game. You know, we're going to like take, fine. But uh, maybe he does know and he's not saying. But the one thing I said, uh, you know, I presume you'd be willing to play hurt. And he goes, uh, uh, I don't know. Well, like, uh, I'm not trying to call the guy soft. Like, that's not, and he, he raised a point and I'll just put it out here and you can make your own judgment about it as you're listening. You know, he said that he didn't want to, go up there on basically one and a half legs against Justin Jefferson and do anything to hinder the Giants chances of winning the game. And, you know, he made it clear. It's not about my pride, my being him, my, you know, performance per se. It's just about, I don't want to do anything that would hinder the team. Well, you could argue, and I wasn't going to get into the back and forth with him about it, that like, you know, a Dory Jackson at 80% is better than Fabian Moreau at a hundred percent. Right. So, or Nick McLeod who has had moments this year, but like the bottom line is that Dory Jackson's a playoff tested cornerback, um, so whatever I would, you know, we're going to go down that rapid hole with them, but it was an interesting comment. I thought. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, and you, you go back to, um, Xavier McKinney was the one who said, you know, he, he's been shut down before told you on Sunday, you know, Justin Jefferson has been shut down before other teams have done it. And he's right. Uh, you know, the Cowboys in, in, crushing and this is the Vikings only home loss of the season they they lost 40 to 3 to the Cowboys and Jefferson was 3 for 33 that day um after the week before going 10 for 193 against the Bills which is a pretty impressive uh performance um you know and who some of the other teams that that shut him down uh Detroit shut him down 3 for 14 the first time um but he came back and went 11 for 123 against them. The, the Packers a few weeks ago shut him down one for one for 15 yards. That was his worst game of the season. Um, but and the Eagles kind of shut him down to six for 48 in, in week two. We're going back all the way to week two there. But there are few and the Jets did a pretty good job on him seven for 45. But there's there's a lot more of big big games. Uh, I, I, he was only four for 38, but I'm pretty sure that the Vikings pulled off the, against the bears on uh, in week 18. I think I know cousins came out of that game. So I imagine Jefferson probably did too. Uh, you can do it. It's not easy to do, but you know, the, the fact that the Vikings have only lost once all season at home is a pretty daunting task. That's a great stat, and they've played really well in close games, obviously, which is how you wind up being 12-4 and four going into the last week of the season with a minus 19-point differential. Um, and so, yeah, I think, you know, the crazy stat, excuse me, one of them about Jefferson, that you know, his 133 against the Giants was the seventh highest total for him this year. <laughs> yeah. Insane. The guy's, one, the guy's the best receiver in the NFL, period, end of discussion. Uh, but the bottom line is the Giants maybe would have had a chance to win that game in overtime if he hadn't had that 17-yard catch on third and 11, sets up the 61-yard field goal, which, you know, both of those things are improbable, you know, 17 yards on third and 11 and also the 61-yard field goal. Again, it's not like the Giants were winning. Um, 
they, you know, if they had won the game in overtime, the game was tied. You know, everyone knows that. Uh, if they had won, they would have made the playoffs uh, in in that. But it that week, ultimately, they got they're in as the six, which is the best they were going to do anyway. It all worked out. They got to rest their starters. Um, they drew the you know an absolutely a triple A AAA team in the Colts and in week seventeen, and so uh, the Giants now in trying trying to overcome Justin Jefferson, trying to overcome that setting in Minnesota, which will be extremely loud. Um, one other thing, kind of perhaps working in their favor. I think you could. Well, let's. Is, is it working against them or not? Their lack of playoff experience. I'll run it down real quick here. Um, you know all the guys who haven't played in a playoff game on this team. Like everyone knows, Daniel Jones, Dexter Lawrence, all the all the main guys that of their regular starters, including their special teams players. Seven of them have played in a playoff game. John Feliciano's got seven. Graham Gano seven. Dory Jackson six. And who knows if he's going to play. Mark Lewinsky, five, Jalen Smith, two, Jamie Gillen, the punter, two, and Fabian Murrow, one. So when you're talking about, like, some of those guys are less important than others to, to you know, whether they're going to win the game. The most important one might be Graham Gano. <laughs> exactly right. Um, so do you think the Giants' lack of playoff experience will be an issue in this game? Um, I, I really don't. Uh, I think sometimes it can play to your to your advantage because, you 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 know, you have some – uh, naivety to the whole thing. You don't let the whole big situation get to you. You know, I think their playoff experience, and uh, you know, I think if we, uh, Brian Dable said on Monday, he thinks it's overrated. But I think if Brian Dable goes back and looks at all his years with the Patriots, I'm sure there's, and he used Tom Brady's first season, his first Super Bowl as an example, which is fine because Tom Brady was was very inexperienced when he took over for Drew Bledsoe that year. Um, but I think if he goes back and looks at, at, um, the Super Bowls that came after that and the playoff runs that came after that, he'll find that the, the Patriots experience, um, came through the experience of Brady and Belichick and many others on those teams certainly probably came through many times and, you know, allowed them to either a win close games or b just annihilate teams because they were a better and be experienced. Um, but you know, I, I don't think in this situation, it's that big a deal for the giants and, uh, and I'll, and I'll take the, the other side of this. You have the, the, the Vikings who are known for their playoff failures. Uh, Kirk cousins under a ton of pressure, you know, he's paid a lot of money to come to Minnesota and win playoff games. He's only played in two since he's, since he's been there. Um, you know, the Vikings have been to, the Vikings are a team known for losing four Super Bowls. We're going all the way back into the seventies. They lost all four of them in the seventies. They lost four of the first 11 Super Bowls. Uh, so they're known for that. Not that that impacts these guys now, but in, in years since they've, um, you know, they, they've lost, they're known for losing in the playoffs. They, they lost in a division round, Three years ago, uh, lost two years before that. They, they got crushed by the Eagles in the conference championship game when they were 13-3. and three. Um, Lost a wild card game in 15. Lost a wild card game in 12. <clears throat> got crushed by the, by the Giants. And, you know, we go back to the top of the century, 2041 to nothing. Uh, they just, their, their, their franchise history is all about losing in the playoffs. And that's something that questions that the Vikings will be facing all week as they get ready for this game. 
No doubt. The ghosts of those <laughs> things will linger. And um, like you said, Kirk Cousins now in what year five in with the Vikings. God, it seems like a lifetime ago that we were thinking, oh, will, will, the, will he sign with the Jets? And it was between the Jets and the Vikings. And it's like, oh, it's okay. It's all right. The Jets got Sam Darnold in the drafts. <laughs> whatever you know like oh my gosh yeah i mean kirk cousins is a fascinating story himself he's a fourth round pick who was taken in the same draft on the same team with rg3 who seems like he's been retired for uh, two decades now uh you know a fourth round pick and i was looking at this yesterday he's probably the the best fourth round quarterback ever drafted ever i mean he's he's 23rd all time in uh TD passes in the NFL, 28th in yards. Um, he's got a higher career passer rating than Tom Brady. Uh, but but none of that's going to mean anything if his resume doesn't have at least a Super Bowl appearance on it. You know, n- none of that will matter. Great point. I mean, made the Pro Bowl last year, made the Pro Bowl this four year. Times, okay. Yeah, and so, you know, it, it, you know, you could look at it and say, you know, he's had these playoff failures, but he's still a pretty darn good quarterback. And, uh, on the flip side of the Giants' lack of experience is the fact that their coach, as everyone knows, their rookie head coach, Brian Dable, has coached in uh, he's coached in 30 playoff games. And, and like you said, later on in the Patriots' tenure, the fact that they had experience, oh, and by the way, maybe the greatest player in the history of the sport, <laughs> probably helped them. Coach in the history of the sport. <laughs> probably, yeah, probably helped them. It's like kind of some selective uh, – stat picking by Brian Dable there, but the Patriots in Brian, well, in, in, thir- in Brian Dable's 30 playoff games, granted, this is his first as a head coach. His teams are 23 and seven, 20 and four with the Patriots, three and three with the bills. He's been in the playoffs each of the past three seasons. Um, so he, he's been in the playoffs a ton. I mean, 14 playoff games from 00, 2006 with the Pats. And then he was, uh, he kind of wandered in the wilderness there with the Jets, Browns, Dolphins, Chiefs from 07 to 12. And then he did 10 games of the Pats in the playoffs from uh, 13 to 16. And oh, by the way, you know, he has what, uh, a college national championship and five Super Bowl rings. So he's been here. He's been in this situation. He's not only been to the playoffs, won in the playoffs. Granted, you know, he was an assistant coach, so it wasn't like he was the sole reason those Patriots teams were winning in the playoffs. Obviously, he had a much bigger role with the Bills as their offensive coordinator. But uh, I do think, you know, being rattled or not being rattled, you know, clearly, you know, he's been in this setting. So I, I can't imagine he'll be rattled by by the environment. Um, and, and also the Giants, again, just played in Minnesota. So I can't imagine that that'll be something that's going to be a, a big pr- problem for them in terms of being being able to handle the environment it's more in this situation I think it's about you know can they win these matchups and can they contain Justin Jefferson uh can yeah, they get it is and I think it's you know and he says it and he's right uh you know and it's also about the process of how you prepare and what you do on game day in terms of uh making the right calls and being in the right place uh it, it is a lot about preparation preparation you know have, have you prepared properly what you need to do against the vikings uh on, on that day and and then has that preparation um become you know manifested itself on the field on game day you know they were obviously very well prepared to play against the vikings especially offensively the first time around i mean they they put up a season high 445 yards in that game so um you know, they were very prepared offensively in that game. They, they left points on the field. They should have won that game. They, they left it 
they left at least six points, probably more like 10 on the field, and then and then gave the Vikings seven points in that game. Uh, so they were prepared to play. They, 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 the mistakes they made were huge mistakes and cost them the game. But um, but they were prepared to play, and I, I would be shocked if they weren't again on Sunday. You know, and we we'll, we'll touch on this real quick about the that we're talking about being the fact that they were able to move the ball against the Vikings. You know, season high, I believe, four four hundred and forty five yards. Um, Mike Kafka, the Giants' offense coordinator, who calls their plays. Brian Dable gave him the play calling duties, uh, starting you know, obviously at the start of the season. He'll interview. Well, he he was requested by the Panthers, who have a vacancy for head coach, to interview. Uh, that'll happen if it does happen. Presuming it happens next week, because. The Giants play in the wild card rounds so to the NFL NFL rules state. He can't do that interview until next week. Um, obviously, the Giants not like a high powered offense uh, this year in terms of uh, where they rank and things like PFF. Twenty fourth in PFF, but seventh um, in red zone offense. So that uh, you know, and then what he's what Mike Kafka's done uh, in terms of helping Brian Dable is uh, is or in terms of helping Daniel Jones, I should say, along with Brian Dable, of course, helping Daniel Jones. Uh, he's up, he's, you know, had a productive year, no doubt. Daniel Jones has, and Mike Kafka getting this interview, we'll see. A lot of other offensive minds interviewing down there, but uh, it'll be, uh, he he hasn't gotten as much run as Wink Martindale in recent off-seasons as a head coach, but he's certainly a, a name to watch in this off-season. Right. In fact, he has Kansas City roots, I'm sure it probably helps him too. So For sure, for sure. The Andy Reid pedigree definitely helps. Um Obviously, that's not going to have a huge impact or really any impact on this game. One thing that will, and we had to do a little blurb, and one of it, one of the things was X factor, right, for this game. I put Aziz Ojolari as as sort of the X factor, as the X factor, right? I mean, he has great one. calf um, calf injuries early on. He has only played in seven games this year. Uh, he sprained his ankle uh, in Minnesota, uh, only wanted to play in 22 snaps in that game, came back the next week, played seven against the Colts. A little bit of an unknown. We'll see if he can pressure Kirk Cousins, but, man, was he hot before that Minnesota game. He had seven, three, and five pressures in his previous uh, three games before that. He had a pressure and one pressure and 15 pass rush snaps against the Vikings, so he was really hitting a stride in his return from his calf injury. Uh, hadn't played since week bef- week four before he returned for the, the tie against Washington in week 13 and really hit the ground running. Uh, he'd be huge, right? I, if they, I presume he's going to try to play through whatever he's dealing with, but how effective will he be? That's the big question. Um, what's he got? Five and a half sacks in seven games. Uh, he had a sack in the Minnesota game. Uh, that's how he got hurt. Uh, that's, that's how he hurt, hurt his ankle on a sack, you know. He's he's got five and a half sacks in seven games and three forced fumbles in seven games. He's played uh, really he's, well. He's an impact player, and I and I also think he makes the rest of the defense better, especially Kayvon Thibodeau. I thought, you know, when he came back from the calf injury in week thirteen, I thought uh, Kayvon Thibodeau's play went to another level. Um, you know, and it, it was you know you got to give most of the credit to, to Kayvon for that, but it, it certainly helps when. The guy on the other side has to be accounted for too, um, and the Giants are going to need to put pressure on, on that. You know, that's we, we talked about the secondary, but obviously, always a big part of the secondary being effective is how much pressure they can put up front. Uh, and, and in that regard, the, the the Vikings could be without their center again. Bradbury is still not a, a definite go for them. 
that's big advantage giants when you think about who the guy uh the center has to block which is dexter lawrence who is the giants i would say their best defensive player this year um it, wink martindale said it last week the centerpiece the focal point of our defense um you know so there are some things playing to the giants favor here I think he's Dexter Lawrence is their best player, period. I mean, he doesn't play the most important position, but he's certainly been their most effective player. And just building off that, you know, we have plenty of time to talk offseason stuff, but I saw where Quinn and Williams, who like Dexter Lawrence, is a really good, really elite defensive tackle. And like Dexter Lawrence was drafted in 2019, Quinn and Williams says, you know, he wants a new contract this offseason, and he's skipping uh, voluntary spring workouts if he doesn't get it, which is really a player's only leverage. Uh, and quite frankly, Dexter Lawrence should also refuse to play on the fifth-year option. Like, the Giants have plenty of cap space. He should say, I'm not playing for, you know, way less than I'm worth and risking it on the fifth-year option. He needs to tell this team, pay me. Pay me this offseason because they can. I know everyone's talking about Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley. They need to take care of Dexter Lawrence this offseason, just like the Jets are doing uh, or should be doing or uh, with Quinn and Williams, who wants, you know, who's basically – drawing a line in the sand and saying, do this. And he, he should be doing that as well. Dexter Lawrence, but plenty of time to deal with that. Obviously he's going to be a huge factor in however far the giants go in these playoffs. And as you mentioned that the weak point there and potentially in the, in the middle of the Vikings offensive line. And um, obviously, you know, Wink Martindale is going to just do what he always does. He's going to blitz. And the question then becomes, can the secondary, which gets Xavier McKinney back, who wasn't there on Christmas Eve, can they hold up against Justin Jefferson? That's really what I think it comes down to. If Wink Martindale is going to be himself and blitz, uh, can this secondary uh, answer the call? Yeah, I mean, it it, it, it really comes down to that. Um, and that's and I, I mentioned him earlier, and I'll, I'll mention him again. Just T.J. Hawkinson, how much damage he did in that first game. Uh, yeah, you know and. <laughs> When I, when I was asking Jason Pinnock about the, the Vikings offense, he he actually mentioned Hawkinson before he he mentioned um, Justin Jefferson, which I, I imagine that's because he was probably had some responsibilities on on Hawkinson in that game. Uh, but Hawkinson caught thirteen for one oh nine and two touchdowns in that Christmas Eve game. He was a he was an absolute beast and has been. Since he since the the Vikings got him from the Lions, I bet you the Lions somewhat are wondering after just missing out on the playoffs, wondering maybe we should have kept that guy. But after in the in the ten games since the Vikings got him, he's sixty catches for five hundred and nineteen yards and three touchdowns, including the two against the Giants. So I mean, he's he if if you're looking at X factors from the other side, it, it might be that guy, no doubt. And uh, I think we can. I'll agree. You both agree. I guess there's only two of us here. Uh, as we break down this matchup, that this is definitely the preferable matchup for the Giants, and they should be thanking Aaron Rodgers that he was able that the Packers were able to beat the Vikings and knock the Vikings down to the three seed. Um, and, and the Giants do not have to play the 49ers, who that would have been a trip across the country to play a team they haven't played to play an insanely good defense, and their point differential I think is like second best in the NFL. I, you know, the Giants have a much better chance of winning this game, I think everyone can agree, than, than winning that game. Um, so they, they ought to be thankful for that, I would think, right? You agree? Yeah, I don't think they wanted any part of the Niners. I think the Niners are the team that nobody in the NFC wants any part of. Uh, I'd be shocked if they lost to the Seahawks uh, in the first round. I don't I don't think that's going to happen. Um, but, 
they're the team I don't think anybody wants to see, and which is shocking with the with their own third string quarterback, uh, who has become one of the probably top five stories in the NFL this year. But with how well he has played, Brock Purdy, Purdy since he's uh, come into the picture, you know they've had an amazing season given the loss of their two quarterbacks. Um, so yeah, you definitely want the Vikings. You've already played them. You, you played them as tough as can be. You you won the statistical battle in that game. Took the sixty-one yard field goal to beat you. Hey, you know, the, go to Minnesota. See what you can do. For sure. And if the Giants do do what they want to do uh, in Minnesota and win that game, and and if the Niners beat the beat the Seahawks, then um, then the Giants will. Be getting that rematch. The only way the Giants don't say the Giants will, let's assume the Giants win, which is an you know certainly an assumption. Uh, the only way the Giants will not play the divisional round in Philadelphia is if Seattle somehow shocks the Niners in suburban San Jose, uh, and so that would be a fascinating divisional round game, and then that would put San Francisco up against either Dallas or Tampa in the divisional round, and the as the two seed versus the winner of the four five, the Eagles the one. Uh, playing the Giants the six. Uh, so since we're sitting, I'm sitting here and uh, <laughs> assuming certain things are going to happen or maybe not happen, uh, we can finish this up with our picks. Um, and I'm scrolling through my email to try to find what I exactly picked. But um, go ahead and uh, give me your rundown of this game. And if you can find it, the score that you picked for uh, for this one. Yeah, I, I'm trying to find my own pick. Here, here we go. I got him here. Um, so I'm, I'm, I think the Giants can do this. I think they can pull it off. Um, you know, I do think the, I, I was there when they, when they lost this game, and I saw how well they played on offense and how they were able to move the ball. I think that they can limit the turnovers that they had in the first game. Uh, I, I'm going to do what I've done the last two times they played their regulars. And predict that they're going to eclipse that 30 points again, and they're going to beat the Vikings 31 to 28. Well, they certainly did it in, in Minnesota the first time with scoring 24. Uh, and that at that point, I think it had been 43 straight games since they had not scored 30. And then they went out the next week and they, they scored a legit 30 against the Vikings, as in their offense scored 30, 31, and they got 38 in that game. I'm at the Colts, of course. Um, and so. Uh, I I can't find my pick per se right now. Here, where is it? Okay, uh, there it I is. I got it. Um, you want to know it? <laughs> I got it. I, I got it in front of me now. Um, I'll go uh, again. I think the the Giants can win this game. There's no doubt about it. I give them a, probably a forty to forty five percent chance of winning the game uh, versus say a twenty five to thirty five percent chance if they were going to San Francisco. But I'm going to go Vikings thirty eight, Giants twenty eight. Giants will be able to move the ball too much. Justin Jefferson. Um, I think even if a Dory Jackson come, does play, you're talking about a guy coming off a sprained MCL who hasn't played a full game in two months uh, against the best receiver in the NFL. Um, the Giants are really going to have to score a lot if, if they're going to win this game, I think. Um, and they're I really, that. They, yeah, I mean, 21 points, there's no chance they're going to win this game. I think they got it. They have to score, you know, at least, say, 28 to 30 to win the game. Um, but I, I think they'll get there to 28. I'll give the Vikings 38, but look, I mean, it's, it's a, th- the line's three, the line is three points. Um, and so that means, that means the, the, 
odds makers think these two teams are pretty even, and I think they're probably right. <laughs> yeah, and, and and usually you get like you, that's because you know Vegas typically gives the home team three points, uh, and for a team that's only lost once at home all year and is thirteen and four as the three seed playing a six seed who is, you know, nine, seven and one and has, um, you know, not one, not surged down the stretch. I think it's pretty remarkable to see that line at three, not remarkable, but interesting and certainly encouraging for Giants fans. So, um, yeah, we will wrap it up with that. Uh, we appreciate everyone listening. Be sure to rate, review, like, subscribe on all your favorite podcasting platforms. And, uh, you know, regardless of what happens this weekend in Minnesota, uh, we will be back here with you next week, either previewing what probably will be a divisional round game in um, in uh, Philadelphia, or uh, I, I guess the other, or wrapping up the season, or the other possibility would be what if if, if the Niners lose, then Seattle goes to Philadelphia, and the Giants would go to um, to Dallas or Tampa. So that's how that would work. Right. And unless I'm like completely botching that. Um, no, you gotta, you, you that, that's right. I, so there you go. Happen, I'll be stunned. A lot, a lot, a lot of things to, that'll, that will that left to be determined this weekend. The giants will know by the way, because they play four o'clock Sunday, four thirty Sunday, they will know uh, what happens in the San Francisco game because that one's on Saturday. So they'll have an, they'll know whether they're going to be, going to Philly or going to the Dallas Tampa winner, which that game is Monday. Uh, but the Giants obviously have to take care of business. And as I said, we'll be back here next week about this time, regardless of what happens, uh, talking all things Giants for you. Uh, we appreciate everybody listening and enjoy the rest of your week. Enjoy the game this weekend and enjoy that uh, sunny January 30 degree weather in Minnesota and uh, have a great week, everybody. Take care.